Hello, and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm your host. I'm what you would call a practicing professor. I have years of experience consulting in the analytics industry, and I have years of experience teaching analytics in the classroom at Greensboro College. This podcast is an ecosystem that I developed for my students so that they could get world-class career advice from leading analytics experts. To date, my students have got to ask questions directly to analysts and data scientists from Amazon, Apple, and Google. They've even got to talk directly to CEOs, CMOs, and presidents of companies who have been former clients of mine to get insights on how senior managers use data to drive their business decisions. If you're interested in becoming one of my students, check the links in the description down below. I'm currently offering two programs. One is a one-month career services program, and the other is an analytics apprenticeship program associated with Greensboro College. In both of those programs, we take a three-tiered hybrid approach. So you'll have access to pre-recorded asynchronous lectures, live group lectures in a cohort setting, and one-on-one coaching with experts in the analytics space. On average, our students are gaining about a $16,000 pay increase going through the program. On the high end, we've actually helped someone achieve a $54,000 pay increase. This means that on average, our students are recouping their investment between one to two months of landing their job. So if you're ready to take your career to the next level, click the links in the description and apply for our program. I would love to get to work with you. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. and welcome back to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. Uh, so to start things off, we are starting off on the right foot with uh, some technical difficulties here. Uh, John David was supposed to be uh, connecting with us today uh, in the call, but it seems like he's uh, experiencing some problems with his computer. But anyway, uh, regardless of that, uh, welcome. I suppose this is my mentorship session with, uh, with Katie. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and this is my, um, I think this is my second time on the podcast, but I'm sure there's some listeners who weren't on the first one. So I'll introduce myself um, and then I can frame up uh, what we're going to do today. Uh, my name is Katie Underwood. I work with Silvertone Analytics on the coaching side on career services. Um, so even though you might not hear me a lot on the podcast, the students in our career services program hear from me a lot. Um I host a weekly session where I teach some data analytics principles, um, and then I have weekly one-on-one sessions with our students where this uh, podcast episode would be kind of a pseudo one-on-one session. Um, I do mock interviews, we do portfolio reviews, we look at job descriptions, I help um, I help with uh, counter offers once our students get an offer, how to um, counter and negotiate on that. Um, so those kinds of things. Um, my background, I've been working in data for probably six or seven years now. Um, I had previous experience in project management before that for several years. Um, I've been a manager uh, for a couple years now of a data analytics team and I've hired 
for about five years now. I've been in interview, on interview panels for about five years, interviewing entry-level data analysts. Um, so I've seen a lot of portfolios. I've done several interviews, um, have a good idea of what some common questions might be. Um, so today we're going to interview Hunter uh, as he's getting ready for his next role. So Hunter, um, what I like to start out with before I just start grilling you with questions. Wait, can um, you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. We can hear yep. you, but it's pretty rough. Okay. Um, if I back up, is it clear now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Sorry, guys. I have been frozen out of this live stream for some reason. But the big thing that I wanted to introduce Katie with is, Katie, literally on your first coaching session, you sat with one of our students for an hour, helped her negotiate a, what, $20,000 pay increase? Yeah. Gave her the verbiage, said, here's how you want to phrase it. So your experience working in the analytics, in the analytics space for years and also being a manager is just so powerful. And yep. I, 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 I love that you're going to be able to be on this podcast, even though Fortunately, you guys can't see me if you guys are watching this right now. Um, oh, no. Yeah. But that, that being said, I think most of our listeners are, are just listening. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to cue this up. And so since our last mentorship session with Hunter, Hunter, you would where we're picking up this thread and where I love how we're kind of adding like this is almost like the Lord of the Rings lore of Hunter <laughs> along his journey to, you know, not Mordor. He's actually going to be working full time as an analyst. Um so, Hunter, you had just gone to an in-person networking event at High Point, and you met the, I think, vice president of analytics for a major furniture company. Yeah. You got his contact information and had sent him an email. So, mm -hmm. to pick up that thread, he <laughs> has introduced you to a specific manager, and you haven't officially booked uh, an interview yet, but we are going to uh, prepare you, because I think this is going to turn into an interview for at least one position. I actually did just get the email yesterday from their hiring manager over there telling me that it's time to schedule an interview. I got it today. So cool. Okay. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank things you. Are, things are moving along. Um, okay. So Katie, you wanted to go through both behavioral and technical interview questions, right? Yeah, we'll probably hit on it. We'll hit on a few of both. Um, and thanks for that. Uh, nice intro, John David. I introduced myself, but you, uh, you asked. Well, yeah. That. Because I think most people are uncomfortable bragging about themselves. So, yeah. <laughs> Katie, you came out and just like hit a home run on like the very first call that you were on. And I yeah. just wanted to highlight that. And also, thank you. Because I mean, you just yeah. add so much value to the program. I love helping other people. That's why I'm here. Um, and happy to use my experience to help other people. So. Awesome. Okay. All right. So do you want to start with the technical interviews or do you want to go to the behavioral interview questions? Um, before I even get to the questions, what I was starting to do when you joined, um, I think it would help to frame the conversation with what Hunter's looking for in a job. Um, usually, I start and uh, we review the job description together. So if I'm preparing someone for an interview, we look at the actual job description. I've written several myself, so I can kind of help read between the lines or help translate what some of the bullet points mean on a job description. Um, we don't have that now, and that's fine. We don't always have that. Um, but I'd like to hear from Hunter what you might be looking for. Like, we've talked before, more business side, more technical side. Like, what kinds of roles are you looking for? Um, that might help me with what kinds of questions I might ask. 
so when we initially uh, started talking with each other, um, he had mentioned to the room, you know, he was like, you know, are there any are there any analytics people in the room? Like he specifically asked for it. And I was the only one that raised my hand. Um, and he started talking about uh, uh, low code, no code systems. Are, are you familiar with those? What those are? Yeah. Yeah. It's for those who don't know, it's it's kind of it's taking uh, software from different parts of the web and combining it into one web service, pretty mm -hmm. much is what it does. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that might be what he's looking for me to to start moving pivoting towards is working towards some of those solutions, um, which I guess would be a little bit more uh, okay. AI driven, mm -hmm. I suppose. Um, I haven't done a whole lot of python or 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 ai modeling actually i haven't done any um so that would be a new experience for me um however okay. just looking at some of their job openings they have a lot of job openings in the supply chain which is where um the, the person's area of expertise was okay okay that's helpful um i have some thoughts and we can get started um, how I usually run these mock interviews is um, I'll ask you a question, have you answer, and give you feedback real time. Um, so we'll probably get through. I have six or seven written down. We'll see how far we get. Um, before I before we dive into that, John David, did you have anything else uh, generally you wanted to add? Um, yeah. So uh, Hunter, you were on the call earlier this week, and we went through open-ended questions. And I helped you kind of carve out a response to tell me about yourself. So, Katie, I, I think we've we've talked about this, you know, off air that most people start their interview poorly. The interviewer says, hey, tell me about yourself. And they just get a long winded ramble about just very, very specific facts about them. But it's not a cohesive narrative. Mm -hmm. So what I've done is put run Hunter through a very simple narrative structure of what have you done in the past? What are you doing currently? And where do you want to go in the future? And Hunter, we got this all written down in that document. Yeah, and I actually also, have. Yeah, and then also too, let's run through um, a couple of open-ended, like star formatted questions of situation, task, action, result. Okay, I have a couple. I have a couple of those. Okay, so let's get started. Um, Hunter, it's good to meet you. Uh, excited to talk to you today about this upcoming role for a data analyst. Why don't we start off by you telling me a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, so my name's Hunter. Uh, in the past, I worked for Silvertone Analytics. I uh, managed, uh, I initially started at Silvertone managing Excel, Tableau, and Power BI questions for a student base of 60,000, um, an online student base. Um, right now, I've been working as a, an analytics consultant for Silvertone. Um, we help clients leverage their data um, anywhere from small to medium sized to large businesses, uh, all the way up to nationwide chains. Um, and then I'm hoping for in the future to work for a, a large organization because you know Silverstone is a startup um, where I maybe have some more opportunities to to learn more and that you know proceed the next step of the analytics process past the the entry level phase okay um that was a good answer i could tell you were prepped i don't really have any feedback on that one i thought that was that was pretty concise i've um, got notes okay go ahead <laughs> i've got some okay so hunter good job like that that was way better than the first time like that we did this um earlier in the week um katie what do you think about this 
so my in the past i worked as an intern where i monitored you know the online courses for a content creator on the udemy space um i, I had to do research into excel power bi and tableau um, i then got promoted to um, actually taking on consulting roles and there i got to work with much larger data sets i got to work with really messy data and what's really interesting is i got to interface directly with executives on how we could leverage data to help them drive better decisions Hunter, I think really like you could mention the pro forma that you built for yeah. that um, that pest control company. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting. That's just kind of like a highlight point. Um, so what he built was an interactive dashboard. So it was a franchise. So if somebody was going to invest in the franchise, they built an analytics tool so they could scale in. All right, how much are you willing to invest in the franchise? What do you want to put into marketing? What's your phone? Um, answer response rate, and then all, all the different kind of um, decisions that you would need to make as the business owner to then calculate a break even. So like they invested in the franchise. And then if you do all of these steps, you'll break even by year three, like maybe not go into super detail about that, but just a pro forma. And then in the future, I'm looking to gain a full-time role um, with a larger company that's more structured. Because Katie, you brought up a good point. I, I I love how that you're like my foil in that you've worked for massive companies on the operation side, and I've been um, working yep. with startups um, or smaller companies on the sales and marketing side. So yep. you brought up a really good point when you came on um, last month about the mentorship you can get at these larger companies because mm-hmm. you get to work directly with the manager, and it's like. You, you know, every day that you work there, you get, you know, a small bit of criticism on how you can improve yep. how you work as a full-time employee. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Hunter, when you um, when you were giving your about me, um, I have had a question about the 60,000 students. Um, so I did like John David's response a little bit more, um, explaining that it started out online and then... Um, you know, with those Udemy courses and then went into more one-on-one coaching and you learned other skills. Um, it was actually a question I was going to ask. The, the one follow-up that came to my mind as you were talking was like, tell me about that 60,000. Um, Cause that seems like a really high number of students. Um, and it is. Uh, yeah. So I, it, I, I actually have a question about that as well. Um, considering <laughs> that, you know, that's not really what I want the focal point of the tell me about yourself answer to be. Uh, should I consider quantifying something else other than the, yes, the online students? Because what you quantify is what people are going to, especially a number like 60,000 people are going to ask you about that. Yeah. Why don't you quantify more instead of just quantifying one thing? Okay. So in the past, you could say, you know, I, I managed the Q&A section for a Udemy content creator. Um, it was a student base of 60,000. Um, then I got promoted to working consulting the largest project I worked with was what an eight hundred and fifty million dollar national chain. Um, I got to directly interface with their CEO, and I built out their Tableau infrastructure. Yeah. So yeah, so that that way you're quantifying both instead of just choosing yeah. one to quantify. Yeah. Fair enough. Awesome. Do you want to move into um, one of the one of your star method questions? Uh, uh, sure. Yeah, we could do that. Okay, so Katie, I know. Um, Let's talk a little bit about this kind of like on the interview side. Mm-hmm. How did these come up? And like, what is the reason behind, like, for example, I, I see this question come up with like questions you're probably going to be asked online mm-hmm. is, you know, what's your biggest win or tell me about a time you uncovered insights and data. Like, um, 
what is the thinking behind that and so that we can kind of reverse engineer a good response? Yeah, um, I would say probably two things come to mind why I would ask that question. One is to make sure you actually have had data analyst experience, because if you're saying that you've had experience and you can't tell me a story about a biggest win or something, uh, that's kind of questionable. Um, the second one would be just to get, again, insight into your own behavior. How did you go about it is what's interesting. It, it shows how someone um, kind of their mindset, their how curious they are, I guess, um, or how they came about that win. You know, it's a different it's different if someone tells me, hey, my manager dropped this assignment on my plate and I found this cool thing uh, versus hey, I heard something in a meeting that someone said uh, our inventory wasn't, you know, wasn't correct. So I went to go look at this and I found three different key, you know, insights uh, about our inventory that we're not talking about as a company. Um, so it's kind of both of those things to make sure you have experience with some of those questions that you, you know, that you say you have. And then to understand someone's kind of um thinking mindset how curious they are just a little bit more about them okay great so well yeah let's let's role play one of these questions so like okay do you want to you want to you want to take the lead on that yeah let's uh let's do uh let's do uh let's just do the biggest win what was your biggest win as an analyst biggest win as an analyst hmm uh i would have to say that it definitely was uh my first project that I led. Um, and so that for me, that was, that was the, uh, a, for a packaging company that I worked for about six months ago. That was the first uh, consulting team I was able to uh, host uh, with Silvertone. So I, there I worked with a team of up to 10 students at a time uh, where we would be uh, tasked with um, determining how, how this manufacturing company uh, should charge its clients for a specific project. Um, over the course of of those months, uh, we were able to uh, unif uh, make uniform. I, I don't know how clean. We were able to clean uh, five different data sets from dive five different uh, locations of theirs, um, and then uh, we proceeded to build uh, several dashboards for them, including an overtime cost dashboard, a profitability calendar, um, and several others. We're going to take a quick pause from the episode so that I can give you some more information about our career services program. Over the last four years, I have developed a very effective approach to teaching the foundations of analytics. And I've taken that same curriculum from my case studies and business analytics class at Greensboro College and turned it into a career services program. So if you've ever thought to yourself as you're listening to this podcast, man, John David students are really lucky. You can have a very similar experience to them. Just check the link in the description down below. My career services program offers you an analytics foundations curriculum. So this will shore up any gaps in knowledge that you might have in landing either a promotion or maybe even your very first analytics job. And then you get to work one-on-one -on -one with me to help build your personal brand. So we will look at your resume and also help you develop a customized portfolio. All right, let's get back to the episode. Okay, I have some feedback. 
Um, that was a great that was a great star format. I think that story went over really well. I, I understood what you were saying. Um, but you told me about what your team did. You didn't tell me about what you did. And it wasn't clear if you did all of that work or you did none of that work. You said you led the team and we built this and we built that. And my question was, what is what your biggest win? Yeah. Okay. So um, maybe it's a different story or maybe it's the same story and you just say you cut out the team part. Um, the team part would be good if you're applying for project management roles or something like that, which I don't yeah. think you're interested in. Um, yeah. but I'm, I mean, not, I'm not opposed. Insights. I'm not opposed to a project management role either. Um, I really, it would be really helpful if I knew exactly what I was interviewing, interviewing for here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I, I should have probably focused a little bit more on myself there. Um, I, I kind of want to take some notes, on, go back and think to myself, take some notes on some of those projects that I did and think about actually what my specific actions were. Mm -hmm. not necessarily what the teams were yeah and for you and for the podcast listeners i'll give some examples on like what good stories might be just just to get your wheels turning um anytime you if there's been a time where you have listened to your manager or hunter in your case a professor maybe even you could use a school story too um you've heard them talk about something and be curious about a data set um and no one asked you to look at it, but you went because you were curious too. Um, you went to go look at the data yourself and you found something. So the best kind of story that I love to hear is that someone is a self-starter who just hears something and is just curious and they go find some data and look at it and they don't get all the way to the answer because you know they probably need some business context or something, but they say, hey, I looked at this and I realized our revenue or sorry, not revenue, our inventory is down 20% on our shelves uh, compared to this time last year. So why? Um, of course, again, they don't know the answer to that why question. That's the business context I'm talking about, but you know, that sort of thing. Um, that's the best sort of answer in my mind is I was not asked to look at this data, but I looked at it anyways, and I found something that um, someone else hasn't found yet. Um, now that doesn't always happen. Um, you might not, you know, especially if you're entry level, if you only had a year or two of experience, you know, or no experience, like you may not have found something that no one else has found yet. So another good one um, is a process efficiency kind of answer where you're saying, hey, we have these Excel sheets and people were manually copying and pasting values from one table to another. Um, and I had a form, I created a formula, I did VBA, I did a macro, whatever you did, like I did something uh, that reduced the amount of time it took to get this spreadsheet ready for whatever. Um, and I think that answer is really applicable in a lot of, in like all uh, companies really, in all roles, we all do manual stuff. So if you can find a way to make something more efficient in the data collection, data prep process, um, that's a win too. Yeah. Okay. That, that second, uh, example, I can really see a couple of things fitting into. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I, it gives me a better picture for how to answer that now. Okay. So here's my take on this. And it, it's kind of funny to me because I see this all the time in the entrepreneurship space. We've got a cobbler's, um, you know, cobbler's kids have no shoes situation. 
Hunter, we've helped what 15 people in analytics jobs over the last six months. And we've helped yeah. them quantify the impact of their work. Yeah. Hunter, we need to do that with you. Yeah, I know. Like, I think, the, I think the right way to kind of rank order all of this is to Hunter, you need to sit down and write out what are the biggest wins I've had in ways that you can quantify mm-hmm. and see it's, it's a little bit tough in that. So the, the, what you were telling us just now, that last story was one of the apprenticeship projects. So you were running project lead on that, um, but you were giving the students specific clear objectives. So I think that you could say, and you also hosted the, the technical office hours. So when they got stuck on a specific type of project, you came in and intervened so they don't just spin their wheels for, um, you know, hours upon hours. So you came in. I, honestly, I think like, really where you should kind of mine for this quantified gold is the direct where you were running the projects through Silvertone, not when you were actually running the apprenticeship projects. Okay. I mean, I think you could, I mean, that, that would be an example of you um, leading a team and managing and keeping people on task. I think that's like, that, that might be, um, that might be a question that comes up, but if if it's an entry level job, they're probably not going to ask like, what are your, what is your experience? managing people yeah. because you're going to be going into a role where you're going to be managed. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, I would go and look at, um, I mean, even if you wanted to go back to your internship, you know, answering the questions and finding opportunities to improve the courses, you could say we improved the course rating by like, I don't know, 20%, you know, from a, I don't know, a 4.1 to a, you know, 4.2 rating, which, you know, when you're on the online course on the Udemy platform, you're you're looking at you know if you're making a purchase decision what is the rating on this and what is the topic so then that kind of showcases that you know the business acumen and you know the data that is driving those business decisions okay i think i think something else that'll help uh is is having more work to elaborate on because that project was a a little while ago at this point um and i will say that i've i just i actually just uh, for had my first iteration of of a new dashboard I've been working on this week um, prepared. Um, okay. All right. So, yeah, we can move into the technical section, but here's your assignment for the next time we do one of these calls is go through and quantify your biggest wins and then turn those into stories. And then we can kind of revisit. Um, I think you've got the structure for the star stories. Like, Katie, um, you know, chime in here if, if, if you feel like you have any other positive feedback you could give, but... Um, Hunter, it seems like you've got kind of the structure of how to answer these open-ended questions. Yep. Let's just make your stories a little bit, just make them pop a little bit more robust. Yep. I agree. Yeah. I just need to go back and, uh, and take another look at all that. Just do some reflection. Yeah. Well, you got time. You got what? Three months before you graduate? Two months? I've got three months before I, or, uh, yeah, two and a half months before I graduate. And then also this interview isn't even scheduled yet. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're, 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 we're being extremely proactive, but yeah. um, this is good though. That yeah. means the interview is going to be killer. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully yeah. you knock it out of the park. <laughs> okay. I have a um, technical question for you. It's kind sure. of a two part question. Sure. Um, so this is for, this is a question I would ask for business analysts okay um can you tell me a good use case a good data set for a bar chart a pie chart and a line chart each one of those three i want one example um, of what you would use that for like what sort of business question sure so uh 
a pie. Let me just get this out of the way. I would never use a pie chart myself. Um, I, if you've known me for any amount of time, you'll know that I, I'll tell you pie is for eating. I think that it's very, it's almost impossible to be able to tell with the human eye at the difference between 6.2% on a pie and 6.3%. So I would never use a pie chart. Um, that being said, a use case for it, I suppose, would be good for ratios, showing, uh, showing percentages. Maybe you could like pull it out and like actually show the percentage as a number on there. Um, a good, I mean, as far as bar charts are concerned, bar charts are useful in a lot of cases, whether or not you have one, two, three metrics, uh, you know, a, a, a time series analysis, you could even do a, a year over year analysis within a, pie, a bar chart. Um, like for example, you, uh, the one I just built out, I took um, different types of surgeries, um, cancer surgeries and survival ratings for cancers. Um, and I did it by year. So you could see uh, year over year if uh, the different types of surgeries are becoming more effective over time. Um, so that's a use case for a bar chart right there. Um, and then what was what was the third? The line chart. Oh, line chart. Another, that's, line charts are great for time series analysis. Uh, they're also great if you have multiple metrics because you can just do a dual, a dual axis chart or even like a dual axis chart with a, with a bar in it. Um, I guess a good use case for that would be, um, if you had two ratios that you wanted to compare, you could do a dual axis and then have one of the ratios on either axis. Um, so yeah, that, that'd be my answer to that. Okay. Um, I have a part two, but I'll give you feedback on part one first. Um, I don't think your answers were bad. I would answer them a little differently, but I would consider what you said to be fine, um, a passing score. Um, pie charts, I use pie charts when there's only two categories, a yes or no. And you have, you know, what percentage yes, especially if you have like yes or no and like male versus female or something. So you have a pie chart for men and whatever men, the male percentage of yes is and then comparing the female percentage of yes or something like that. So you have two categories and two well, two categories, kind of like two different ways. I just, I just would argue that a bar does the same thing. It does, but it adds differ. Um, sometimes it's nice to have things other than bars. So I agree with you. I don't really use pie charts, but if you want to break yes. it up, that's a good, that's a good use case for one. Here's how I would answer it. I would say if that's the UI that the end user is used to, yeah, is, sure. is pie charts. Yeah. Um, and if it were more than you know, five point, five data points, I would probably try to say, hey, here's what you asked for, and here's another way of visualizing this. Mm -hmm. Like maybe a, a bar chart that's sorted by length of bar. Yep. And it's dynamic, and di dynamically shifts like once you filter it. Yeah. Um, your bar chart example, I would be a little cautious there. Um, you said time series analysis, and that's not what you meant, I don't no, think. No, I meant, I meant like year over year. Yeah. Um, yeah. In that case, technically, year is more of a category than a time, than a date stamp. You're comparing years, just like you can compare different products or things like that. Yeah. So I would just be, be cautious. Time series is for line charts. Um, and you could compare years in a bar chart. I do it too. Um, but that's not, it's technically when you're doing it that way, it's, it's 
like years or categories. So how I would answer anyways, the bar chart question is bar charts are great when you have a bunch of categories that you're trying to compare and measure for. Okay. Did I kind of redeem myself when I mentioned time series in the line chart? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because that's the right answer. That's what you'd want to use lines for. You really don't want to use them for I can't think of another use case other than like trend lines. Trend lines in a bubble chart. Yeah. Well that's still over time for trends. Yeah, that is, I guess. I don't so. know. <laughs> um, here's my part two uh, to the technical question. So bars, pies, and lines are the most common chart types. That's what everybody knows. Um, what is a chart that you like to use as an analyst that is not a bar, a line, or a pie? Um, so what's your next favorite chart? Um, why do you like to use it? And what kind of use case have you used it in? Sure. So my my personal this one I, I like no one else likes. I like box charts. I like seeing the size change depending on certain metrics. Um, I also like the fact that depending on how many metrics you have, if you have a relatively small sample size, you can like actually go in and edit some of the text in the box chart so that you can say like for example, just another use case from the dashboard I most recently completed. Um, I had three different boxes showing stages of cancers and I was able to go in there and instead of just having like the numbers there, I could go in and edit the text to say like, oh, instead of 50 people, you can say like, oh, 50 survivors for cancer survivors or something like that. Um, from a UI perspective and from a communication standpoint, especially coming from when it comes to this cancer data, which I'm designing for people who maybe are not as technologically savvy, it's nice to be able to use that kind of that kind of language in a visualization. Cool. Um, that answer, that question um, doesn't have a right answer or wrong answer, of course, because I asked you what your favorite one was. Um, I asked that question just again to kind of gauge experience that someone's had. If they tell me they've never built anything other than a bar, a line, or a pie, um, I kind of question, have they really built a lot of a lot. Of course, your portfolio tells me that too. Um, but also just to get a glimpse as you know, you, you smiled when you answered that question. So I like answering, I like asking questions that give um, the interview interviewee a opportunity to kind of smile and be comfortable. So if I ask them what their favorite one is, um, you would, that was a very natural response. You told me about your most recent project in that response. And it, it was fine. I mean, I don't have anything. I think that's a fine chart type. Um, I don't think there's a bad answer or a wrong answer to that question. So that was good. Cool. Yeah, good job. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite uh, visualization type, Katie? Do I have a favorite one? Uh, I really like Pareto charts. I really like um, when you have multiple categories. So Pareto chart. Um, it's like a box and whisker, right? Um, no, it shows what the categories that constitute 80% of your data. So typically, like you have, at least how I build them, you have like a bar, you have all of your categories across in bars in descending. So it looks like, or I guess on the, the screen, it looks like that. Um, and then you usually have a line that does the cumulative total. So it shows you which categories constitute 80% of the total. Um, I find in practice that the Pareto rule applies a lot, like 20% of our products have 80% of our sales, as an example. Um, so when I'm looking at data, it doesn't always make the final cut because Pareto charts, I think you have to know a little bit um, of 
math and statistics to really understand. I mean, you just have to have the, not really statistics, you have to just be math inclined. Um, but I like looking at Pareto charts when I analyze data, because um, it, again, it helps me understand what the important categories are. So I don't get as concerned about outliers too. You know, if there's funky data going on in a category that is only 1% of the total, I may not pay attention to that. Um, versus if it's weird data in the biggest category or in the top three categories or something, then I might pay attention. So I really like Pareto charts. You're selling me on working on a Pareto chart. <laughs> <laughs> it's technically, if you do it in Tableau, it's technically two charts. It's a dual axis. You do the bar chart and then you do the line chart with the cumulative total. Okay. Okay, John David, do you have anything, any feedback on those questions? No, I th I, I'm just fascinated kind of seeing the two of you um, kind of, you know, how you guys are interacting. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, you don't, you don't sit on my other interview prep calls, I guess. Yeah, yeah. This is, I'm, yeah, I'm getting to see the magic. <laughs> okay. Um, here's another one that's kind of technical. Um, do you, Hunter, you use more Power BI, right, over Tableau? Uh, recently, yes. Okay, you can answer whichever one. Okay. Um, if we had a job description in front of us, I would ask you about the one in the job description. Um, but what is your favorite feature? Or your not really favorite, I, let me reword that. What's been the most powerful feature that you've used in Power BI? And why Why did you pick that one? Feature, just, just anything? Yeah, a feature, yep, within the tool. Yep. Okay, yeah, the, the Power Query Editor for sure. You can do all sorts of edits in there without having to go back to your data source. Um, you can change data types and aggregations. You can do a lot of cal custom calculations, calculated columns. Um, you can even write DAX code in the Power Query Editor itself. Um, so undoubtedly, it's my, it's my most used feature. Um, I go back to it all the time um, when I'm working in a, visual, in a visualization because I don't want to have to Alt-Tab because right now I've only got one monitor. For most of the year, I only have one monitor. It's pretty rough. Um, but yeah, definitely. So if you had to pick one, because um, I know Power Query, you can do lots of different cleaning activities. Um, do you pick one of those in the Power Query that you think is the most powerful? What would that be that you've, that you've come across? I know it can do a million things. I know you haven't done everything in it, but what's the most powerful feature that you've used within the Power Query Editor? Um, the, the append function is the one that I've used several times. Um, oftentimes when I'm receiving data, it comes in from multiple different sources, or maybe it's like multiple different Excel files, for example. Um, and being able to, uh, make the data uniform and combine them all into one combined data source is something that the Power Query editor does really well. Um, and that's one of the functions in there. Um, so that's, that's, was the most useful to me. Okay for the cleaning process. Cool. Again, not a wrong answer, no right answer, actually. Just wanting to get a, another way to get an insight. That's how I do my technical interviews, really. I mean, sometimes I'll ask, especially if I'm um, a little bit concerned if they have actually the right experience. If they don't answer some of those behavioral questions, I may ask some very tactical questions, like, can you tell me what a parameter is in Tableau or something like that? Um, or can you tell me how to write an XLOOKUP function? You know, all the different inputs in there. I may ask some technical things like that, but 
usually since time is so limited in interviews, I tend to ask those kinds of questions that are technical leaning, but they're kind of almost behavioral in a way too. Um, it also gives you an opportunity to um, showcase a piece of work. I will say I can answer in that example. So. I will say I can answer both of those questions too. So if it comes That's up, great. Interview, I'm not worried about it. That's amazing. Um, and while we're on the topic, when you get a question in your interview and you don't know the answer, um, how are you going to respond? I'm going to say, I don't know the answer right now, uh, but if I ran into it, I would figure it out. I mean, that's what I always do whenever I don't know what to do. So, Kay, what, what are you looking for here? Um, it's, uh, I try not to, personally, I try not to stump people, but I know that some, everyone has different interviewing styles and different purposes. Um, I would say if you get stumped, if you get asked a question and you have no idea what the answer is, um, I would just say, that's a great question. I don't know the answer. Um, when I'm learning, like for example, is Tableau. Uh, I don't know how to build a parameter in Tableau. I have no idea what a parameter is. Uh, that's a great question. I don't know. When I'm learning Tableau, I like to look at Tableau Tim on YouTube because he has really digestible videos and Andy he has a video for everything. Um, so that's how I would answer. I would say, that's a great question. I don't know. When I'm learning something new, here's how I learn it. Um, and I think that really, you can turn that into uh, a, answering a question about how do you learn rather than do you know this specific thing? So it's not as ideal as knowing the right answer at the first, first time they ask it, but it shows how you learn things. Um, and then for bonus, I would write the question down and I would figure out the answer and I would email the person after the interview and say, yeah. hey, you asked me about parameters. I didn't know in the phone call, but I, I learned it. Here's, here's how you do it. Um, and here's how I'm doing it. Here's how I'm going to apply it in my next project or whatever, something. Um, no one ever does that with actually one, one person has done that with me in my past that I've interviewed and I wouldn't say that's the reason he got a job offer, but it was probably one of the reasons he got a job offer. It was very impressive that he had the confidence to say he didn't know and he had the wherewithal to look up the answer right after the interview and send it to me. I mean, that shows, if that doesn't show you're a self-starter and willing to learn, I don't know really what else would. Well, that's how I got the interview in the first place was because he asked me if I knew about low code, no code systems. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about, man. He was like, mm -hmm. go look it up. And I was like, okay. And I did. And then he was like, all right, I'm going to interview you. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, also too, Kate, let's, let's, there's another nuance point that um, a person who says, you know what? I don't know that answer, but here's how I go about learning these and then follows up with you. It's showing um, good character and honesty, integrity, mm -hmm. because if you're managing someone and they just lie, like let's say that they get 99% of all the other questions right and they lied about one, you might not hire them because, okay, maybe they can do the job. But what if a situation where I need to know an uncomfortable truth arises while I'm managing them and then they just lie about it or don't bring it up? Mm -hmm. That's going to hurt me. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I think that's <laughs> often something that um, almost to reframe it, like if you do get stumped on a question, it's an opportunity for you to show solid character. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And I would say for those listening, um, at least, again, I'm only a perspective of one, but um, I don't think many, ma many managers mind if you can't get every single question correctly. 
I don't think any manager at, when you go into your entry level job is going to expect you to know everything and not have to learn anything. Um, by nature of being entry level, you don't know a lot. There's a lot you don't know. You know enough to get a job and you know enough to learn more, um, but you're not an expert because you're entry level. Um, even when you're mid-level, even when you're even when you're an expert, uh, you don't know everything. And plus technology changes. So I I would not uh, sweat it if there's a question that you miss and you blow it or whatever. Just think about that poised response and follow up. And I think that's just as impressive. Again, I, I agree with you, John David, about the character piece. It's, we're all learning constantly on our jobs. So. Right. And I think it's more impressive to show the ability to learn than being, you know, a walking th dictionary for all of things analytics. Yep. But also, too, it's a moving target. Like part of the reason why I stopped doing the Unity courses is that Power BI started updating their interface every month. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, well, yeah, maybe you actually did know how to do a parameter, but you did it two years ago. And mm -hmm. the interface has changed 24 times since then. So you yeah. no longer have the right answer. But yeah. it's like, yeah, well, I know I, the resources are are out there for me to learn. Yep. I, can, I can pick that up. Yep. 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 Yeah, my most recent project in Tableau, uh, it was the first project I had done in Tableau for nine months. I still had like the 2021.3 version of Tableau or something like that. And I updated it and it looks exactly the same. And Power BI a year ago probably looked completely different. Yep. Yep. All right. Let me see what else we have here. I had a couple questions. That's what I'm looking off screen on my phone. Um, here we go. Uh, here's more of a kind of a behavioral one. Um, I think you could use a, you could use star format, or I guess you could be just a little more hypothetical. Given a data set, so I give you Hunter, I'm your manager, and I give you a data set, and I say, take a look at it. Well, this is new data. You know, it might be a little rough still. We're going to bring it into our database. Um, take a look at it and tell me what's in there and you know what's interesting. So, in other words, I give you a data set and I give you no clear goal on what you're analyzing, what you're supposed to come back with, what I'm expecting. You know, it's a vague ask. How do you navigate that? My first question to you would be, is there a data schema? Is there a data dictionary? Is there any information on the data outside of what you gave me? Mm -hmm. um, if there isn't, then I need more information from you because this is, you know, if we're talking externally, or well, you, you said you're my manager, so I guess it's internally. So mm -hmm. I'd already be maybe sort of familiar with it. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I would try to garner as much information about actually what the data is before I started trying to dissect it at all. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I would try to highlight really what the KPIs are for the data set. Um, because in my past, I've worked with sales data and marketing data. And most of the time, there's three or four KPIs that kind of jump off the screen. Most of the time, that's going to be like profitability or margins or something like that. Um, so I would look for things like that if I was in one of those roles. Um, maybe if I was in, if it was a logistics company, maybe I would look for something like an inventory level or or something like that. Um, just identify those. Maybe identify some very clear uh, outliers. Like if there's just a whole column of null values, why is that even there? Can we fix this real quick? Um, I would just I, I I don't like going really in depth with with a brand new data set. I like to kind of gather, like I said, get, gather the knowledge about it first, and then maybe start visualizing some things um, and seeing what it spits out, what the software spits out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
I guess that's, that that would be my uh, preliminary answer. I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know how to answer that one. It's kind of a tricky one. Um, the reason I asked you that question, and I ask that one a lot, um, is because that happens all the time with my, with with people that I work with. Um, in all roles, whichever, if it's been my manager or anyone on my team or anywhere, like there's vague asks all the time because um, time is limited. Um, so sometimes all you have is 30 seconds on a phone call to say, hey, there's new data coming in. Can you take a look? Um, so it gives me an insight into how we might work together and what I can expect from you. If I'm going to, you, you know, your first day on the job, not your first day, maybe 30 days in, I give you a new data set or something and say, hey, can you look at this? That's kind of what you, you just said. That's what your work is going to be like. So I decide, you know, is that the right approach or like, is that approach going to work for this team or not? Um, I thought as far as your specific answer, I thought it was really good to talk about the data dictionary and to kind of stay high level before you dive in. Um, cause I don't think a lot of people spend the time doing that. Um, a lot of people will just like dive right in and not really always know what they're looking at. Um, so I think that was a good answer. Um, your outliers piece was a good answer. And I would even throw in like some words about data quality. You kind of said it, but you kind of didn't like checking to make sure, like, is the data even clean or what, what do we need to do to clean this to even get it ready? Where are we getting um, the data from? That's another thing yeah, I would like yeah. to know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I liked that you said, you know, I'm not in a rush, however you said it, you're not in a rush to um, come up with a specific insight or an answer right away. You're just learning the data. And I think that's a good approach. I mean, it takes like in, in my role um, anyways, I think in a lot of my, my current role and my other roles, it takes a while before you can come up with an answer. You don't just sit down and 30 minutes later, you have an insight. It takes a while to learn your data. And those are the first steps to get acclimate it with your data is look at a data dictionary, metadata, whatever is available to you. Um, look at the data quality, see what kind of cleaning needs to go uh, happen. Another good answer might be um, to go talk to somebody. So for example, if that data came from customer service about our claims or whatever, go talk to a customer service person or go watch them fill out a claim or something. So in other words, getting like that human uh, interaction and experience on how is this data even entered and who enters it and when do they enter it. Understanding that kind of stuff can really help you understand your data too. So yeah. no wrong answer to that question, but um, those would be some tweaks maybe if you get that. Um, okay, let me pause you right fast. So we got a yeah. question from Jenna Hudson. Um, so this will be available on our, um, if you wanna watch this, you can watch it on our YouTube channel or our LinkedIn. Um, but also too, we have this in podcasting form. Just go on any of the major podcasting platforms and type in how to get an analytics job. All right, let me see. I had one more question um, and it was about uh, your undergrad experience, which I think you might get a question about Hunter since you're a new grad. Yeah. I assume we might have other new grads listening. Um, so what was your favorite class from undergrad and why was it your favorite? Oh, I better, I better know the answer to this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Pretend it's not here. <laughs> yeah. My favorite class was the special projects class I took on data analysis. That boy. With my excellent teacher, John David, who ended up becoming my boss the following summer. No, but actually, no, but actually I mean, that was my favorite class because it got me to where I am today. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, before that year, this was my first half of my junior year, really no idea what direction I wanted to go in, just kind of free flowing, uh, first day of class. I think I showed up in pajama pants or something. Um, and then, uh, you know, as, as I worked through actually first day of class, my professor told me, um, uh, you have a very analytical mind. And that really made me think to myself, I do. <laughs> like I didn't really, you know, I didn't really think about it that way. And as I kept going with it, I was just like, you know, this is the more I do this, the more I like it, the more I realize, you know, this is just kind of clicking for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so later that summer, it led into, like I said, uh, my my first internship with him, my professor. Um, and I, I got to say also what I, you know, the, the introductory data analysis skills that I learned in that class were very helpful as well. Um, for for continuing my data career but yeah it got me started and so it was definitely my favorite class by far cool so Hunter, you could go into a little bit more detail about that class about what caught your attention because we got you got to look at real data and okay the way that i taught that class is i would just have one of the students come up and we would analyze the data set together and like they they got to actually you know work in power bi and tableau mm-hmm. and a lot of times we were looking at like my youtube data or something like that or the Udemy course review data, because I had published courses by then. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Hunter, I think you got that answer locked and loaded and ready to go. Yeah. What, what, what are you looking for in that question, Katie? Um, really just a little more of someone's personality, honestly. There's not a wrong answer, because I don't know what classes you took. Um, but just what's interesting to you. I mean, I would think your answer probably should be somewhat data, data related. Um, but if it's not, I wouldn't consider that a red flag, you know, just just more about someone's personality. Um, yeah. yeah. Yep. OK, so do you have any more of these questions? Because I, I know you've got a hard stop at one, right? No, I don't have any more questions. Um, but one the last thing that I do in my coaching calls is we flip the script and make sure that Hunter has the right questions to ask the interviewer. Um, so Good. if you don't have anything else, John David, um, we can spend a few minutes doing that. I don't know, Hunter, if you have any questions prepared yet for your interview. Yeah, I, I well, I actually had emailed them a question, and I didn't really hear a response back from it. But I was trying to learn more about their company, um, and I was looking at their official website. I was looking at, you know, just Wikipedia, um, and I was looking at a few other sources. And I'd asked them, hey, you know, I've I've already learned, I've already learned this about your company, where, where can I learn more? That was a, that was one of the questions that I asked them. Mm-hmm. Um, another question I guess I would have would be, well, I guess I don't even know yet. So depending on where the, where the first, how the first interview goes, I, my question is, you know, what, what am I applying for here? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I guess a follow-up question to that would be how much am I getting paid for it? And a follow-up, question to that would be what's the what's the career progression like at this company um you know because i'm kind of looking for a long-term solution here um something more structured maybe so talking about structure uh i would ask them you know how the company structure is how their culture is um uh how how have what kind of feedback they've gotten from people who maybe have left the company you know, if they're for whatever reason they didn't like the company, or you know why? What what's the biggest complaint that you guys receive? It's like, is it is it work life balance? Is it is it pay? What is it? You know, 
Um, those would be some of the questions. Uh, do those sound like kind of kind of questions that would be fair to ask? Yeah, um, I think in when it comes to your questions during the interview, there's fine questions that are just okay, and then there's really good questions. Um, I you should definitely ask questions. When people don't ask me any questions in an interview, um, I take that as a sign that they're not interested at all because they're just like trying to find anything. Like they don't have any questions for me about the the job or the role. And you you would be surprised. Some people don't ask questions. Um, I think a, one question you could consider adding to your list would be the team dynamic and team structure. Um, we started the call with you saying that you were looking for a large organization because you want to work on a team. So that could look a couple different ways. Um, it, your manager could be kind of a mentor. That's a common relationship when you're when you're an entry level person is that your manager is a data analyst or was in a previous role a data analyst and they help you learn. Um, but if not, there's some, oftentimes another senior person on the team, like a senior data analyst that you could learn from. So you could say something like, you know, I'm looking for a company where I can grow um, and learn a lot. Um, who in how is the team structured um, and who will I be able to learn from um, kind of thing? You want them to be able to say, oh, we have, you know, whoever, Katie, Katie Underwood's been working here for 10 years and she knows all about our systems and you're going to be buddied with her for the first 60 days to learn all about it or something. Or you want your manager to say, uh, you know, I I'm going to be, you know, you and I will check in every day and we're for the first three months, we're going to work on projects together. Um, that kind of stuff. Um, your question about why people left. Um, that's that's more what I was asking when I said, like, is that fair to ask? I was yeah, they, they may not know the answer. I. I don't know if I could have told you the answer yeah. because I, it's just, if you're in a big company, you don't know everyone. And so, you know, one or two people that have left the company and what their reasons are, but you don't know what a trend is. So if you have that, if that's an interest, it's not a bad question to ask. You'd have to ask it to the right person, I guess is where I'm going. Like you'd want to ask the recruiter. Um, maybe that kind of question, someone that sits in the HR organization rather than the hiring manager. The hiring manager, probably, they probably aren't going to have the correct pulse on what the company is overall. And even culture questions. Um, there's culture within your team and within your manager, and then there's company culture. Um, your manager should be able to tell you what the company culture is generally, but it may be a question that you have for the recruiter instead. They may have a better lens on that can i ask like uh there's actually we got a question in the chat that said uh can we ask what current employee tur turnover is can i ask for like data on you know yeah. do you guys have any data on your employees can you let me know some metrics yeah yeah and they'll give it to you or they won't but yeah. i don't think it's a bad question to ask okay yeah i don't think i don't think that's bad i um, made a note i did make a note of the uh the team dynamic question though. Yep. And then another one I like to add, or I like to uh, have our students ask is, um, how does my role contribute to the company strategy? You know, you should know, you should learn a little bit about what their strategy is or whatever. Like, you know, say you're in the sales organization. How does my role as a data analyst contribute to more sales in the company? 
or financial analyst, how does my role contribute? Because you want to know how, I mean, of course, you're going to do whatever your manager tells you to do, but um, you want to know how you're contributing. And if they, making a difference. Yeah, if they can't give you a clear answer, that might be a red flag for you, Hunter, that like yeah. this is a such a back end job that no one can tell me how if I can contribute to the strategy of the company, that might not be a role you want to work in. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's a good question too. I just that's the other one. Just wrote it down. <laughs> Let me see. Um, anything else? Logistics questions like you should never leave a phone call not knowing what the next step is. Um, sometimes you kind of lose track at the end of you kind of lose time in the interview and you have to ask over email, but you should always know when your next step is and know when they're going to follow up because that's just too anxiety producing for you as a, as a job candidate, like to, to wait on, you know, whenever they're going to get back to you. So you should always know that. Um, your other logistics questions too, of course, you'll talk about salary at some point. Of course, you'll talk about a uh, start date and whatever. Uh, Kamar just had a good suggestion. Yeah, this is uh, a good what, do you, one. what do you expect from me? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. For those who are listening, Kamar asked, um, what do you expect me three months in versus six months versus nine months in? So it's kind of like, uh, what is my onboarding roadmap? I think yep. that's a pretty solid one. Yep. All right. So we got, we got two minutes left. Um, this, has been, good. this has been Hunter. I feel like already you're so much more ready prepared for. I, the, I was really, really nervous for this episode. I'm no longer nervous. <laughs> well, so, I have that effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, also, too, like, Hunter, you're being a trooper because people were, like, grilling you and people are watching you get grilled. So, like, yeah, I uh, love it. It's like it's like my roots on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you're so your interview should be so much less pressure than this. Yeah, yeah. it's you know? not live streamed. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's all it's all in good spirit because, I mean, Katie, Katie's not here to bully you. She's here to help no. you and just yeah. like slice through everything and give you the truth. And her yep. honest opinion. Yeah. It so, was very helpful. It was great. Katie, thank you so much for coming on. Like, yeah, I'm glad that we get to like introduce you yep. to the podcasting world. And I think this was an excellent way of doing that. But yeah. it's 1 p.m. So I know we got a, a hard stop. But thank you so much, Hunter. You've been a trooper. Katie, you've been brilliant. Yep. And everybody, thanks for your chats. Thanks. See, See you, everybody. Have a good afternoon. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.